by the offspring because the kids are too stupid to learn from their parents' glaring mistakes. Who knows? All that's been truly documented from time immemorial is that man continues to kill without needing the meat of his quarry. He lies in order to avoid accountability, or, conversely, to seize the reins of accountability to such an extent that the social contract between the government and the governed is his alone to write. He endlessly seeks to enrich himself at the expense of the public weal, and while he's at it, tries all too frequently to turn his personal morality or religion into everyone else's legality or religiosity, no quarter given to the unbelievers of pariahdom. Good heavens, we could go on and on. But wait. Last year our country witnessed two of the most disgraceful, debasing, inept, disingenuous, and insulting presidential campaigns that living admirers of our system can recall. The candidates were packaged by cynical manipulators of the public's basest fears. Soundbite zingers were preferable to intelligent statements of position. Image took precedence over issues. The presidential debates were neither presidential nor debates, but canned Pavlovian responses, more often than not having little or nothing to do with the questions. The ground rules for these robotic pavans were drawn up by glib intellectual misfits who thought so ill of their clients that they refused to allow them to speak beyond two minutes. The orators of the cradle of democracy that was ancient Athens, wherever they are, can be heard vomiting. Perhaps one bright day in the future we'll return to legitimate civilized campaigns, where an open exchange of ideas can be heard, but this will not happen, I'm afraid, until those who convince us to buy deodorants high back to the armpits. They've worn out their welcome in the election process, for they have committed the two cardinal sins of their profession at the same time. They've made their products appear simultaneously both offensive and boring. Of course there's a solution. If I were either candidate, I'd refuse to pay them on the grounds of their moral turpitude. Hell, it's as good a reason as any. Which of those image-makers would go into court expounding one way or the other on that one? Enough. The campaigns turned off the country. This numbing fiasco followed barely twenty-four months after we citizens of the Republic had been exposed to a series of events so ludicrous they would have been a barrel of laughs but for their obscenity. Unelected, question mark, officials fueled the fires of terrorism by selling arms to a terrorist state while demanding that our allies do no such thing. Guilt became innocence. Malfeasance brought honor to office. Zealous, obsequious posers were heroes. To be present was to be absent, and to have creatures soiling the basement was a sign of efficient house management. By comparison, Alice's looking-glass world was a place of incontestable logic. But wait! All right. You're ahead of me. Someone's always trying to louse it up. That great experiment, that wonderful system of ours based on open checks and balances. Mendacity, abuse of power, corruption, police state? Well, certainly not with lasting effect, as long as citizens can voice such speculations and shout their accusations, however extreme. We can be heard. That's our strength, and it's indomitable. So, in a modest way, I'll try to be heard again in that voice from another time, another era, always remembering that I'm fundamentally and merely a storyteller 
who hopes you enjoy the entertainment, but perhaps will permit me an idea or two. I have not attempted to update the novel or adjust the licenses I took with actual events or geography, for they served the story I was writing. As anyone who has built or remodeled a home will tell you, once you start tinkering you may as well throw away the schematics. It becomes a different house. Thanks for your attention. Robert Ludlam, a.k.a. Briefly, Jonathan Ryder, November 1988 Part 1 Chapter 1 The smoothly tarred surface of the road abruptly stopped and became dirt. At this point on the small peninsula, the township's responsibility ended, and the area of private property began. According to the United States Post Office, South Greenwich, Connecticut, the delivery route was listed on the map as Shore Road.